We are in 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 as we continue our study verse by verse through the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. Speaking of Grandparents Day, Kevin and uh, Melissa Suter are back there with a brand new uh, baby girl, and what a precious thing, a little over four pounds, and so I'm so proud, uh, just just amazing, Isaac, uh, all that God's doing there, and we're so proud of you. Uh, it's amazing. I appreciate y'all. First John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, if you found that passage of Scripture, could you stand with us? If you're able to, and let's read these verses together. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. And let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to gather together as a church. And Lord, I know that we're scattered throughout this property Uh, children and college age and young parents and teenagers and those of us in the auditorium. But dear Father, we are one church and we're serving you together. And in every situation, they're gathered around the word of God tonight. And so speak to us from your word, Holy Spirit of God, do that which only you can do in all of our lives. Let the word of God do the preaching and teaching and let the Holy Spirit be the instructor. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. I enjoy the opportunity of going through uh, 1 John. We finished uh, 1 John chapter 2 last week, and so now we get to look into uh, chapter 3. I know it's next week I'm going to be gone, uh, flying back from Florida, and I don't get back to about 10.30 at night, but uh, every time I'm here on a Wednesday, we're going to continue verse by verse through John till we get all of this done. I'm going to speak tonight on the subject, what comes with sonship? What comes with sonship? We see this in verse 1 and 2. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And so you're going to see that phrase in verse 1, the sons of God. And then in verse 2, beloved, now are we the sons of God. So we are born into the family of God by faith. And that is simply sonship. We are the sons of God. But what comes with that? And this verse is, these three verses are going to share with us several things that come with being the sons of God. But before we get into those actual three things, I want us to look, uh, first of all, by way of introduction, I want us to see 
what God is saying here in uh, sort of an introduction. Notice that sonship comes because of God's great love for us. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. The fact that he brought us into his family. It's amazing that it's God's love that sent his son on Cal- to Calvary for our salvation. Behold, uh, we see that the Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loved us, not, not the planet, not the air, the trees, the rocks, the rivers, but the people, his creation, uh, the crowning creation, mankind. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And the Bible also says God commendeth or showed or proved or manifested his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What manner of love. Uh, and, And you know, he didn't die for us when we had been going to church for 15 years or 20 years or 30 years and and we, you know, worked on our life. The Holy Spirit's cleaned us up, dressed us up, uh, fixed us up, changed the way we talk, that we walk, we act, we react. No, while we were yet sinners, when we didn't care a thing about God, when we weren't interested in any of the things of God, we weren't uh, concerned about Jesus or his bride, the church. Uh, none of those things were on our register. But God manifested his love toward us and that he sent us his son. Now, sonship goes a step further. It is not only showing that he loved us enough to pay the price for our redemption, but we see the second most important thing in this passage by way of introduction is that that great love was bestowed upon us And that is that we would be the sons of God. So it it, it would be enough if God said, you are forgiven because of the debt that was paid by my son on Calvary. And, And if that's what God did, we'd say, wonderful. But he does more than that. He says, now I want you to be a part of my family. Whoa. You mean we're going to be a part of God's family? We knew we were saved from hell. We knew we were going to heaven. But, of course, as his servants, you know, to go to heaven and serve God forever. That's fine. We're not going to hell. We're going to heaven. And God says, no, no, as sons. And then in Revelation, it says, you'll rule and reign with me. Wow, what an amazing love that God has for us as believers. Far beyond our expectation, God's love for us. Let me share with you very quickly one of the favorite verses I have in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7 says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches 
of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. In the ages to come, that's in heaven, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us. Whoa! What an amazing statement that God in eternity future will express to us his exceeding kindness to us who do not deserve it. Amen? Do not deserve it. Don't deserve it because we get to heaven. No, that's all on Christ. It's all on what he's done for us. It's not what we did for him. It's not what we've done for God the Father. But because we've received his Son as our Savior, and we placed our faith and trust in him, God says, welcome to the family. Come on in. What an amazing, amazing statement. Now, on earth, we get a little bit of taste of that. Your children grow up, and uh, God brings someone into their life, and they, they bring them home. Is that the mic doing that? I thought somebody was breakdancing on the roof or something. And, and through marriage, or even that first time when your uh, daughter brings that young man or your son brings that young man home to introduce to the family, it's like, uh, well, all of a sudden, it's like, come on, be a part of the family. And through marriage, you just open up your arms and say, welcome in. And that's what God does. And that he, that he does because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So God welcomes us into his family. Now, the third thing I want us to see in that is that word bestowed. The Bible says here in verse... Um, Uh, Let's see, verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Now, that bestowed is a Greek word. It's called a perfect active indicative. Um, Back many years ago, 40 plus years ago, I took two years of Greek. And you would have to uh, uh, decline Greek or you would have to tear it apart and find out which one of the tenses it was and uh, one, of, one of the six tenses of Greek, and you would have to figure it out exactly the ending, the beginning, and all the things so you knew exactly what it was saying and what tense it was and, and how it was stated and what it meant. Now this, being a perfect active indicative, anything perfect means that it is settled once and for all. And it's the word didomai, which means a state of completion. And so what it simply means is this. When we, many times we say when we get saved, we're trusting in the finished work of Christ. So 
Remember on the cross where Jesus says, it is finished. So what Christ did on earth, he did for our salvation. And he culminated it by saying, it is finished. Now that meant the price had been paid. But that's not totally the full work of Christ because he now had to show himself as resurrected uh, to the Father. And that's why he says to Martha, don't touch me yet. I've not yet ascended. Or Mary, uh, don't touch me. I've not yet ascended up to heaven. Uh, But then afterwards, you can touch me. So the finished work of Christ is his payment at God's, the Father's, acceptation of the payment as having been paid in full for our sin. Now, that is called the finished work of Christ. So Christ is not continuing to work for our salvation. It's already done. It's already settled. But what we fail to to think of sometimes is not only is the work of Christ finished, when we place faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we then become the finished results of faith in Christ. And that word bestowed means that when we place faith in Jesus Christ, he bestowed on us sonship. Not that we have to get to heaven to get it. Not that we have to be faithful unto death to get it. When we place faith in Christ, whether you were a child or a teenager or a young adult or an older adult, that very moment you place faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, your salvation was settled for time and eternity in the mind of God. Now, not always in our mind, because in our mind we're thinking, oh, you know, I should be a better Christian. I've been saved for five years, ten years, you know, whatever length of time. But in God's mind, it was settled the very moment you place faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So not only is there the finished work of Christ that we trust for our salvation, but then we are finished in Christ, complete in Him. And so that word bestowed means a state of completion that once in Christ by faith, our salvation is finished according to the mind of God. He sees us not just on earth, you know, in a state of progressive sanctification, trying to be more like him. He sees us as having been finished. John chapter 19, verse 30 says, When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished, and bowed his head and gave up the ghost. And so we know the payment was finished. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14, and forgive me, John, I I didn't, or Colby, I didn't send all these to you, so that's fine. But in John uh, 10, Hebrews 10, 14, For by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Could we uh, put up that verse, uh, verse, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, put that up and then come back to verse 14. I want to show everybody this. Now, let me share with you that when when I was raised up and when I got saved, I got saved in a church that did not believe in eternal security. 
In other words, we believe that you could drift from God so far you could lose your salvation. And um, there were those who believed that, but most of them believed you were saved by faith, but you had to remain strong in faith because if you ever rejected your faith, then you lost salvation. Of course, uh, we forgot that Peter would be a terrible example of that, having sworn three times, I don't know him, uh, and still get a preach at Pentecost, but throw out that illustration. But, and so that's what we believe. Now, as, as a man raised up in that denomination, pastoring in that denomination, uh, I would go to uh, other meetings like independent Baptist meetings and Southern Baptist meetings and stuff. They both believe in eternal security. And they would preach on the fact that we have eternal security, but they would use illustrations. They would use an illustration. So uh, an illustration would be like uh, if, you, if you get on an airplane at PDX and it's flying to Midway uh, in Indiana, uh, Illinois, and you get on there and all of a sudden you start acting up. And let's say you start ripping a chair or you start throwing a fit or you start yelling and causing a problem. Well, back then they would say, where are you headed? And everybody would say, midway. Well, they don't know today they'd turn the whole plane around for one person, right? But back then, that was not the case. Back then, you were still. Now they might have to get a few people to jump on top of you, tie you up, tape your mouth, uh, tape you to a seat, whatever they would do. Uh, but you're going to midway. So it wasn't based on your actions. And someone said, what do you think about that? And that was to illustrate eternal security. Once you're saved, you're going to go to heaven because you were saved to go to heaven. And I said, well, if I ever base my theology on illustrations, that would be a good one. But I don't base my theology on illustrations. I base theology on what does the word of God say. And so for a lot of the verses that they would use, uh, I was taught to have an answer for. So I had answers for those things. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can this, can this, can this, can this? No, none of that can. And we would say, yeah, but you can yourself. It doesn't say yourself can. Well, yeah, but it lists all these things. That's implied. Well, it might be implied, but it's certainly not said. So uh, we had answers for that. Uh, so how did I come to the place where I believed eternal security based on the word of God? Well, I, I got it from Hebrews chapter 10. So in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, the Bible says, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Now, let me share with you what that verse is teaching. That means that we are sanctified. What, what's that mean? Well, uh, contrary to what most people believe, sanctification is not talking about perfection. Sanctified literally means to be set apart. So when we trust that Christ is our personal Savior, we were set apart from the world unto Christ. 
So there's two parts to sanctification. We are to be from the world, but we're to be unto Christ. Now, some Christians just think we're not to be part of the world, but they have very little to do with Christ. They don't talk to Christ. They don't read their Bible. They don't talk to him in prayer. They don't spend time with him. They just don't do anything, quote, wrong in life. You know, I don't do these, and I don't run with those who do. But it doesn't make you spiritual for what you don't do. Everybody see that? It doesn't make you spiritual because you don't do stuff or else we could all be monks and live in a cave because that's why they did that, to be spiritual. But it didn't make them spiritual because the prince and power of the air still works in our mind, right? So even if you can't go do something wrong or say something wrong to nobody because you're living by yourself, the devil can still work in your mind and all those bad thoughts. So Um, we are separated from the world, but we're separated unto Christ. Okay, so I just want to say that's sanctification. Now, how are we sanctified? Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Christ died once on Calvary for all time for all humanity. And he paid the price once. Now, the significance of that goes back to the Old Testament. Remember that Hebrews is showing how that Christ is better than the law, right? And so in the Old Testament, the high priest would go in to offer for the people the sins on the Day of Atonement, a lamb for the sins of the nation of Israel. But on that day, he would go twice into the holy place. Once he was sprinkling blood for himself, And then secondly, he came back in sprinkling blood for the nation of Israel. So it simply showed that that high priest had sin that had to be atoned by blood. And then he was able to come in and sprinkle blood for the nation. But the significance of Jesus entering in once for all is he had no sin. So he didn't spread any blood for himself because he's the sinless son of God. He's the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He's the perfect sinless substitute for all humanity for all time. Because as God in flesh, you didn't have to have a lamb for every family. The lamb of God died for every family because he's God. And because he's God, he could absorb in time what it would take you and I eternity to pay for. That's why we would go to hell forever. We could never pay for all our sin. But because Jesus is God in flesh and God has immensity and God can absorb everything because God is infinite, but you and I are finite creatures. God is infinite. So he takes all the penalty, all the suffering, all the hell. And and here's, let me just share with you. Not just he was on the cross for three hours. Not just he suffered hell for three hours. No, 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 no. That's, That's what Jesus as a man would do, is suffer for those three hours he was on the cross. But he's not just man, he's the God-man. He's God in flesh. He suffered all the hell that you would 
suffer for all eternity have you never trusted Christ as your Savior? And then add it to that, all the hell that I would have suffered. Then add it to that, all the hell that you and you and you and then the sins of the whole world. He died for all of us and paid the ultimate price over and over and over and over until he absorbed all the punishment of humanity so that every soul could go to heaven. Whosoever will. Whosoever will. The worst sinner in the whole world could go to heaven if he wanted to. All he had to do was look to Jesus and say, I trust you. Please forgive me. Please be my Savior. And having done that, God says, that settles it. You've placed faith in my Son for your salvation, not your good works. You are therefore saved, and it is settled, and I am bestowing upon you sonship. So by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Now let's look at verse 14 and read that again. And while I was reading in chapter 10 of Hebrews for my personal devotions is where God showed me how these two verses fit together. By the offering he hath by one offering... Now remember in verse 10 it says, by one offering we were sanctified, right? For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Verse 10 says that one offering sanctified us, set us apart. But that one offering also perfected forever them that are sanctified. Now, so let me just share this with you. If when you trusted Christ as your personal Savior, that became a finished work in the mind of God. And see, that's where we mess up because we see salvation in the mind of man. We see salvation in the mind of man, but how many know that you really can't trust the mind of man? You know, on a wedding day, here's a couple. I had a wedding Saturday. Oh, I'm going to love you forever and ever and ever. (laughs) Until you don't cook anything or until until I see a different side of you that I never saw before (laughs) until uh, and then you see our mind is very changeable but not God's I am the Lord thy God I change not our mind is changeable his isn't it's settled and when we trust that Christ is our savior By that one offering, and we trusted that one offering of Jesus Christ on Calvary, he hath perfected forever. So the question was, if Jesus Christ hath perfected you forever, what sin could ever come between you and heaven? If he perfected you forever. Do you see how that followed the logic of that? 
since he perfected us forever. Now, wait a minute. Don't look in the mirror and try to find that perfection. Certainly don't ask your wife or husband because they haven't found it either. (laughs) But God did. In the mind of God, he perfected us forever because we place faith in Christ. And because of that, he not only forgave us, he said, now are ye the sons of God. Right now, not, you don't have to wait till heaven. You are right now. The Bible calls us citizens of heaven already. We just haven't been there, but we have a title deed to the property. And the Holy Spirit of God is the earnest that's been put down by God that lives inside of us that lets us know that heaven is ours because of his promise. And if God didn't fulfill his promise, he would lose that earnest of the Holy Spirit, and he's not going to do that. The Bible says in Jude, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 24, there's only one chapter, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Now, remember last time we talked about the judgment seat of Christ and we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, but it's the Bema seat. It's the seat of rewards, right? And so he's going to be judging us. Now, there are Christians that think, I know, but see, I'm going to stand before Jesus and man, when I was 40, I, man, I blew it. I messed up. And for a few years there, I was in left field or, you know, I, I was so close to God when I was young, but, you know, I strayed and, you know, I'm going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and I'm going to have so many tears and he's going to have to wipe away all those tears because he's going to have to bring up all that sin and I'm going to look there ashamed and everybody's going to see that, uh, that I am a sinner? No. What's this verse say? It says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Do you know we are in the presence of Jesus before the judgment seat of Christ? The rapture gets us there in the presence, or you die in faith, you wake up in glory to be absent from the body, be present with the Lord. So either way, you're with the Lord before the judgment seat of Christ because that occurs after the rapture when we're all in heaven and during the seven year of tribulation, we're going to take that time and God's going to uh, tell us about these rewards and reward us accordingly for our work's sake. Uh, as long as we've done it with the right motive for him and not to be seen as some super spiritual person, we didn't do it to be seen of men. We did it for God and for his glory and we'll be rewarded for that. Some of the least of things will, but he will present us faultless before the presence of his glory. So when we're presented faultless, when we stand before Jesus and then there's the judgment seat of Christ, he cannot go back and say, now uh, let's go back to when you were 20. Let's go back to that time where you really blew it. 
Well, no, he just already presented you faultless. He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. You know, we would all just be happier Christians if we really understood what Jesus did when he saved us. We've been set free from our sin. Now, I know it's, it's still that burden we carry and we will till death. But in the mind of God, we're already his sons. In the mind of God, we're already perfected forever. In the mind of God, we're going to be presented faultless in his presence. And that's a wonderful word, faultless, without a fault. That's a wonderful thing. And there's your introduction. Now I got 12 more minutes and I got three points. That's no problem. First of all, we are no longer known by the world. Notice verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, remember the title is what comes with sonship. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew not him. So what comes with us being the sons of God, children of God, saints, Christians, followers of Christ, what comes with that? We are no longer known by the world. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. John chapter 17, verse 14 says, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. The world does not understand us because we have trusted Christ as our Savior and we are now citizens of another world. Even though we're in this world, we are no longer of this world. John chapter 17, verse 16. They are not of the world even as I am not of the world. That's what Jesus was saying in John chapter 17, in that chapter he's praying to God the Father about us. Chapter 17, verse 25. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. So we see here the first result of sonship is we are no longer known by the world. You might be working a factory. Everybody knows you. You act like them, talk like them, work like them, and uh, you, everything's the same. Until one day you come in and uh, people notice a difference. Maybe it's because you're whistling. Maybe it's because you're smiling. Maybe because you're uh, more adamant about working. And, uh, and they say, what, what, what's going on with you? Nothing. What, what do you mean? Well, I mean, what did you do over the weekend? Oh, well, I went to church. And you what? Well, I mean, I went to church. And you, when did you start going to church? Oh, a few weeks ago, I, uh, yeah, my whole family goes now. Really? Huh. What changed? Well, I, it, it's hard to put in words, but I, 
You know, I had someone talk to me about God and he told me about Jesus and I was searching. I know I I knew it wasn't going well the way I was doing it and I needed help and they told me about Jesus and how he could forgive me and how he could help me and how he could take me to heaven and and I said yes. And I became a Christian. And so we go to church now. Well, does, does that mean you're going to st- stop going to meetings with us and parties with us and this or that? Well, I mean, I, I, mean, I still care for you, but yeah, it, it means I, I have different priorities now, different things I want to do with my life. See, Christ starts making that change in people's lives. And that's what these three verses are going to say. But the first thing I want to say is the world will no longer know us. They don't know what makes us tick. What caused that? I thought you had a good life. Well, it, it might have looked that way. But quite frankly, there were some things on the inside that were just empty. I, I didn't have peace. I, I, I didn't have any joy. I was just going through emotions. I didn't have answers. I mean, my wife and I, we looked pretty good on the outside, but we, we didn't even get along. And I didn't even know what to do. I had no answers. I had no help. Now, it doesn't mean that now we have the perfect marriage and now all our kids are perfect. It doesn't mean that at all. But it does mean at least I got help. I got Jesus. And he helps me. And he guides me. And he's got heaven waiting for me. The world doesn't understand that. So know that when you became a son of God, you got born into his family by faith. This world will not understand that. Your own relatives that grew up with you who are not Christians will not understand you. But here's the flip side of that coin is people that you barely know that also are Christians now totally get you, totally understand you. And it doesn't matter what continent they're from. And it doesn't matter even if they speak the same language. Because if they're a Christian and you're a Christian, you're in that same family. And that sonship means now you're brothers and sisters in Christ. And they get you even though they may not understand you as far as language, they, they get you and they know what your life, what makes you tick because it's the same Jesus in them that makes them tick. So the first thing that comes with sonship is we're no longer known by the world. The second thing is we will be like Christ at the rapture. Verse 2 tells us that. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. So we're not waiting to become the sons of God. We already are. Now are we the sons of God. So how can we be the sons of God now? Because he's perfected us forever. Because he presents us faultless. In God's mind, we're perfect children. We don't see that. No one in our family sees that. No one we know sees that. But God sees that. In his mind, 
were already perfected. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. In other words, we don't look like we're, we look, we don't look now what we're going to look like later, is what it's saying. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So in other words, Jesus Christ's resurrected body is who is coming back for us, and we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Let me give you a verse there. Philippians chapter 3, verse 21. Who shall change our vile body? Now, that's a good description, isn't it? We like to think, well, you know, I'm not perfect, but we don't call ourselves vile. We think we're a little better than that. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not there. I'm you know, somewhere a little better. But that's, that's not what Scripture says. Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. And so because of the salvation given us, not only are we saved from our sins, not only are we saved from hell, not only are we saved to go to heaven, not only are we now the sons of God, but we also are going to be like Christ as far as his resurrected body. Now, we're not going to be little Christ, I mean, you know, just replicas of Christ, but we're going to have the resurrected body of Christ, and we're going to have the perfection that he purchased for us on Calvary. So we will be like Christ at the rapture. We know that we shall be like him uh, when we see him. And, and that's what First Thessalonians chapter 4 is telling us, that in the last trump, uh, the trump of God will sound, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with the Lord. Those who uh, are dead in Christ shall come with him. And then those who are dead, uh, their bodies shall come up. So keep in mind, those who are with Christ do not have their resurrected bodies right now. In, in Corinthians chapter 15, I wish I had time, but it's just... There is a spiritual body and there is a uh, physical body and a mortal body and an immortal body. But we are spiritual beings in heaven. When we die, we are with the Lord, but not with our resurrected body. We are spiritual beings. You say, well, what, what's that mean? Well, I don't know. But uh, an angel had a physical body that could be seen in the Old Testament, New Testament, uh, but they did not have a resurrected body. So they were not like Christ, but we will have a spiritual body that will be reunited with the ashes of our mortal body that has gone to dust. From dust we are, to dust thou shalt return. And so we are dust, and we return together into an eternal physical body like the resurrected body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we then shall we ever be with the Lord. Okay? Now... Someone said, yeah, but, you know, I had my mother, and we took her to the ocean, and we went like that, and how's that going to happen? <laughs> well, 
all I can say is your your mother, he'll gather that dust. Your mother-in-law, maybe. Uh, (laughs) No, I'm sorry. No. Listen, he created Adam and Eve out of the dust that he created out of nothing. And the God who created the world out of nothing has no problem gathering something together. You see that? If God can create all that is out of nothing, then then he has no problem gathering things uh, out of something and putting them all together. So don't worry about that. God is able. So we'll have a a body like Christ at the rapture. And here's the last thing. We strive to be pure in body and soul and spirit because of what Christ has done for us, not to purchase your salvation, not to earn your salvation, not to try to get on God's good side. No, because we are already his beloved. He put us on his good side, not we. First Corinthians chapter, let me read verse three first. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Now think of purifying yourself as simply striving to be obedient to Christ because we're already a part of his family and we're already perfected in the mind of Christ. So living like you one day will be for all eternity. Can you do that perfectly? No, 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 you can't. You and I know we can't. But because of all the good things God's done for us, we try to live a good life, a righteous life in body and soul and spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says, If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. So already our body is the temple of God, right? But it has not yet become the resurrected, in the likeness of Christ's resurrected body, but he does dwell in us. And that verse in 1 Corinthians simply means if you go about trying to destroy this body, whether it's drugs or alcohol or immorality or other things that you seek to destroy this body, uh, him will God destroy. It simply means if you try to destroy your body, God will let you do it. Keep in mind that when you trusted Christ as your Savior, Satan wants to destroy your body Because you can only serve God while you're in your body. The only influence you'll ever have for Christ is here on this earth. You don't go around heaven walking around saying, I want to be a good influence for Jesus. Because that's all that's there. The only opportunity we have to be an influence for the cause of Christ is here and now. And Christ, the devil knows he cannot get your soul, but if he can get you so messed up to take your body, then you've lost your ability to have any positive influence for the cause of Christ forever. It's not saying you don't go to heaven. 
but you've lost the very purpose for which you were saved, and that is to uh, be a light for Christ here on this earth. That's why you were saved. Uh, And then you go to heaven. After we served our purpose here on earth, then we go to heaven. But the purpose is to be an influence for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. This afternoon, one of our teachers said of a grandfather who is in, um, in um, last stages of life. His kidneys are shut down, and he's in a nursing home. Uh, but I heard that she didn't know whether her grandfather was saved. And the family did not know if grandfather was saved. So I said, sure, I'll go visit. And so I, I go visit the grandfather, and the family is there. And so I talk for a while, but then I uh, am able to talk to him. And um, I'm able to say, Jerry, I said, uh, your family, did, were they raised up in church? He goes, yes, yes. And someone else was answering, said, yes, they were all raised up in church, and they lived in Middleton, Idaho, and so they're telling me the history. I said, that's good. I said, Jerry, I said, um, when you were raised up in church when you were young, was there a time that you gave your life to Christ? He says, yes, sir. Yes. I did. I said, wonderful. And I went on to say, Jerry, when you trusted Christ as your Savior as a child, that settled your salvation. You may not have been what you should have been through life, but because of your faith that you placed in Christ at that time, it settled your salvation. And According to the word of God, that means you're going to go to heaven when you die. Jerry, do you believe that by your faith in Christ you're going to heaven? Yes. Yes, I do. I thought, wonderful. Well, the family's right there, but they didn't know that. By the way, if you're saved, please let your family know that. You don't want to, you don't want to be on your deathbed not even hardly able to speak and someone wondering, your daughter wondering, I wonder if dad was saved. I wonder if uncle was saved. I wonder if he, I know he didn't go to church very much, but is he, did he ever trust Christ? Let me give you these verses and we're through. First Peter 1, 5, 15 and 16. But as he which hath called you is holy, so ye be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 8. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Revelation 22, verse 11. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, that's all those who are saved. He that is holy, 
Let him be holy still. So why do we want to be holy? Because when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him like he is. So our attempts of personal righteousness is just trying to prepare ourselves for the day we'll always be like Jesus perfectly. It's just practice. You know, that's, that's one reason we come to church. It's practice for heaven. The Bible says love one another. We try to practice that in this place. Because in heaven, you can't say, I don't like him. <laughs> All that's out the window. That's why we sing I don't like to sing. Boy, you're going to be a disappointed Christian in heaven. Because you'll be singing. Whether you like it or not, you'll be singing. You might as well get to liking it now. We might as well start living a little like we're going to live for all eternity. Might as well put a smile on our face, a song in our heart. We might as well live as righteous as we know to live and we have the ability to live because in heaven we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is and we will be perfected. And every man who has this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I hope the word of God encouraged us tonight that the mind of God sees us as already a perfected uh, Christian. Heavenly Father, speak to our hearts and let, let the truth of your word sink deep in our spirit to know that we're saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves, Lord, is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Father, We're so grateful that we are perfected in your mind that very second that we trusted you at whatever age that was. And Lord, we know we failed you so many times since then, but that's in our mind. That's how we see ourselves. It's not how you see us. We're so grateful for that. Lord, we're so grateful when you look at us, you see nothing but the blood of your son that covered our sins and purchased our salvation. And we're so grateful, Jesus, for that because we don't deserve it, never have, never will, but we're so thankful. So let that encourage us all, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand at our feet. Piano's playing. Let's let the word of God, spirit of God speak to our hearts.
God bless you. Thank you so much for being here tonight, and uh, you are dismissed. <laughs>